STEMQ New England Northwest brings together expertise in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics from across the region. I'm Dr. James O'Hanlon, and here on the STEMQ podcast, you'll be hearing from leaders in industry, community, government, and universities about the groundbreaking innovations that are happening right here in regional New South Wales. This podcast is recorded on Anaiwan Country at the University of New England in Armadale. Welcome back to Stories of STEM Q. This episode, I'm joined by Schools Liaison Officer for the University of New England, Aurora Howland. Aurora, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, James. Now, being the Schools Liaison Officer here at the university, I imagine you're situated in the, the sort of marketing student recruitment side of things. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So, yeah, we sit under um, our brand and development team and we do outreach into high schools. Since you're dealing specifically with schools. Am I right in remembering some statistic I heard a while back about Armadale itself being some hub for education? It's got more schools or students per capita, something like that? Yeah, that's correct. So um, we did at one point definitely have uh, one of the highest rates of high school students. I think that's due to uh, the number of high schools and obviously primary schools as well. Um, I don't know if that's still current. I would like to hope it is, but a lot of regional centres have boomed in the last few years with people realising that access to good education can be found in the country. Why do you think Armadale's taken that spot there where people are just having lots of children or is, is it servicing a particular market? What's going on? I think it's definitely servicing a market. So we have a lot of young professionals in the town and the town itself with, you know, the university, the hospital, teacher, um, teachers coming to the town. I think we are seeing people, you know, going this is a great place to bring a family and hopefully bringing children and families wanting to stay together. Um, Definitely in my cohort, a lot of people are moving back to Armadale to be near parents and things. So um, there are definitely, you know, babies coming along and people tend to stay where they are once that happens. So I think it's um, just a great town really to have children and to put them through good schools and the universities right here if they want to do that as well. Does that mean you're a local person yourself? (laughs) I grew up in Port Macquarie, but I finished high school here at um, one of the boarding schools. So um, kind of almost a local, I think. I don't know how many years it takes, but (laughs) I'd be nearly there. I mean, I'm I'm a recent arrival in Armadale as well, and I get the impression it's one of those. If you weren't born here, you're... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You need a couple of generations to be a true Armadalian. I think so. Um, Definitely, yeah, making those connections with people and finding the little in group so that you can count yourself as a local is <laughs> definitely key but no it's um definitely yeah a really great town I think it's why people stay so long that's a good point too the fact that we do have a couple of big boarding schools mm. here means that we're probably not just servicing local no. people and in, in offering education we're servicing I don't know, the whole, whole region, the whole country maybe? Yeah, so um, even internationally, some of the schools have partnerships with um, countries or other uh, regions overseas. So we do get uh, high amounts of students from different areas. Um, another great part of having that boarding access, so we are a regional centre, but you know, if we've got kids coming from Lightning Ridge you know, further out this is a big hub for them. This is, you know, them being away from home without throwing them right into the depths of somewhere like Sydney or Brisbane, you know, in that city and kind of overwhelming them. They still get 
you know, quality education and they get that boarding experience, but in a center where they're definitely more comfortable. And when you're dealing with schools in your role, I also imagine that, again, you're not just dealing with the local Armadale school down the road, you're reaching out to schools all over the place. Yep. So we cover quite a big area. So we work uh, from southeast Queensland, so Brisbane across to kind of Toowoomba, um, all the way down the east coast to the Hunter, Newcastle region, um, and then across out to um, Canamble, Condobla, Ningen, coming back up, um, Moree, and then back into Armadale. So there's three of us that work in those areas. We also work with a lot of the Sydney boarding schools as well. Um because they do get a lot of students from the country who once they finish school want to come back to the country and again you know Armadale might be you know six hours from Sydney but we're only three hours from Canamble so that's still closer to them than when they're at school there so that's why we work with that market as well. And is it mostly regional students coming to a regional university? I mean how often are Metro students yeah. coming out this way for their uni experience. We've seen a really big increase. So um, probably about four or five years ago, we were seeing five to eight percent um, of students coming from a metro area. Um, numbers probably jumped up to over 15 percent now um, from our last look at our numbers. And again, those can be a little bit watered down with students who might have completed schooling in the city but are from the country. So if we're just looking at the school they came from, um, that number's probably a bit bigger, but actual students coming from, you know, those bigger centres to the country has definitely changed in the last few years. Again, I think it's that realisation they don't have to be in a city to get that quality education and that, you know, degree or that high school certificate or whatever they're aiming for. What do you think's prompted that realisation? Do we, do we know why students have figured this out now? It's probably that dreaded C word that we've been dealing with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so truly just in the past I think so. Um, throughout when I started, throughout the couple of years before the pandemic, we definitely saw an uptake. And I think it is that influence of, you know, kids coming from the country, meeting city children and going, you know, it's not like this at home and maybe taking them out for a weekend or for a bit of the school holidays and showing them life in the country and um, you know, if you've grown up around buildings and, you know, in the city and all of that, I think it also is a fun little experiment to try the country and see what it's like. Um, but definitely over the last two years that I think we've probably expanded our applications and our enrolments with students coming from city areas, because if what happened over the last two years were to happen again, um, if they're locked down here, it's so much different to being locked down in a city. You know, life nearly carried on as normal. Um, so I think definitely that swayed a lot more students to come from those metro areas. And are most students coming out of school and wanting the on-campus experience or do you think more opting for online? Definitely, yeah, pre-pandemic they were wanting that on-campus experience. Um, some are a little bit shy now, just again, if they're locked down, they want to be with family, they want to be close to that support network. So I think um, this year especially, we're going to maybe hurt a bit like as tertiary institutions across the country, not just UNE, and UNE actually is doing rather well um, with our on-campus cohort. But I think we definitely will see a bit of hurt there from those students who can study online and do study online because you know, that's easy for them. Um, the, I think the flip side of that is 
once they do a year or two online are having finished school for two years online, they may go, oh, no, actually, I want to go back. So I think we might see a bigger influx of second, third, fourth year students coming on campus trying to get that experience before their uni years end. So we'll see. But definitely pre-pandemic, they were wanting that on-campus experience so much so that Armadale was a great option because we have such a unique college system um, and we don't really see what we have here anywhere else with other institutions. Obviously, on-campus numbers dropped because they had to. It wasn't Mm. an option. But did the past couple of years affect student enrolments in general? Has that gone up, down? Um, We managed to stay pretty well on track um, to the past few years. Again, I think our online offering really helped buffer any loss that possibly could have been felt. Um, I know that UNE also doesn't rely on the international market as much as other institutions. So we definitely probably didn't see um, that big of a drop there. Um, In general, though, students over the last two years probably have taken other opportunities than coming to university. So we're seeing a lot more students, you know, especially who were in year 11 or 12 last year, seeing opportunities where they could earn $50, $60 an hour harvesting and going, I want to work on a farm anyway, and leaving to go and do that and not really thinking maybe I should finish school or um, is that what I want to do forever? So it just comes in very different patterns and um, they kind of do fall in like a 10-year wave. So they'll come back eventually and we'll probably get those numbers, however minor they were, that we may have lost mm. back probably yeah, in the next couple of years. So so when you've been uh, dealing with students, chatting with them about what they're looking for and what courses they're interested, do you think that... I don't know. I think of myself as a 17-year-old finishing high school (laughs) and how forward-thinking that I was. Do you think they're really looking through all the course outlines and the the quality of the university and resources and basing their decisions on that? What do you think they're actually looking for? Oh, it's so hard. (laughs) 17-year-olds are a very different um, cohort. So a lot base it off um, their social groups, so what their friends are doing. Um, Some... You know, there's a small group that obviously is sitting there going, well, if I get the highest ATAR, I'll go where I can get in with the highest ATAR. Um, and we obviously know that the ATAR is probably not the best indicator of student success. So those who aren't, you know, too confident in that probably are looking at where they'll get in. Um, a lot, like we kind of touched on, want that on-campus experience, but they're looking for, you know, counselling services, um, face-to-face time, one-on-one time with a lecturer or a tutor um, because they're used to that in school. They're used to being handheld through the process, mm. bell times, telling them when to go. You know, they know they have to be there from nine to three, you know, or around that. So coming to a university where it's completely self-directed, there's, you know, no bell times, no one's really telling them where to be except for maybe a couple of times at the start of the year um they are wanting that more nurturing experience which again i think is bringing them out to us rather than keeping them in a university where there might be fifty thousand on-campus students and they're just a little blurry face walking past everybody just gonna take a quick break and make sure this hasn't gone to sleep <laughs> You mentioned quickly before the colleges on campus as a 
I guess something that UNE offers and it's something a little bit unique about the university here. Is that a big selling point for lots of students? Absolutely. Um, I think when people think of UNE, they probably, the first thought is that on-campus college experience, as weird as it kind of sounds, um, because we do have a more traditional style system where um, apart from maybe students sharing a bedroom, which they don't do on campus here, um, it is pretty much exactly what they would think an on-campus living situation is. So your floors, people being friends, being a little family on that floor, um, meals included, meals not included, you know, everything that they could kind of want at their fingertips, um, being close to the sporting facilities, being close to the academic campus, all of those things um, tie together to make that experience just so special for students. Um, For decades now, pretty much our whole lifespan as a university uh, we've been able to get students not just because of the quality of the teaching or the on-campus uh, experience that they get but word of mouth marketing and that's something that you just can't buy it's people's experience it's what they've lived so our graduates our students who've lived on campus going out and going it was amazing I had the best time you know that's really going to sell rather than us going here's a book on how good it is read it and come like they want to hear those testimonials so I think um, the fact that we do put a lot of students in our college system or they're able to have such a rich college life helps get that message out as well yeah it's funny because I mean having gone through university myself where you know colleges are at every university really Mm -hmm. I thought I understood what university colleges were but then coming here to UNE and seeing it in action it's I don't know it's almost this weird sort of Hogwartsian (laughs) sort of vibe of this this definite uh, little cliques of you know you've got your Wright College kids and your Rob College kids and the White House College kids it's people wear their colors very proudly don't they <laughs> they do it's um, yeah it's funny it, it's so hard to describe unless you've actually seen it as well because again talking to a 17 year old they're sitting there going you know you're a bit old what do you know <laughs> um and yeah so being able to showcase that through the student's passion for their college and going yeah like you know this is the best one or this is the best one you know they're all great but obviously the one that you live at's the best one so <laughs> how do they choose um we take them on campus tours um we also run open day so they get to go through all the colleges um during those couple of events and as weird as it might sound once they walk in you can see if they know it's for them or not like it's I don't know if it's the vibe or the people who you know welcome them there and personalities just working I don't know but you can see it on their faces if we take them and they look around they go oh it's yeah it's all right then you take them to the next one and they're like this is the best place ever. Like, it's just... So it really is like Hogwarts. It is, yeah. Hat <laughs> it almost is like the sorting sends hat. Sends them over to College is Ravenclaw and Rob College is probably Slytherin. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and it's there's almost like a, a familial thing to it, right? There mm. are people that were just like, no, I go to Rob College because my dad and his dad went to Rob College. There's that sort of thing, right? It's amazing. Like, we get kids who you try and tell them, you know, about different activities happening at all the colleges and they say oh my great-grandparents and my grandparents and my parents all went to these colleges and they all met each other there and you know you know then I'm going to go meet my partner and then our baby's going to go there and like, <laughs> you can just see it's going to go forever yeah. um which is really nice as well I think having that because 
I think moving forward, like we are losing a lot of that like familiar connection with a lot of different things. So being able to still have that here on campus makes us quite special in that experience. And it, you know, we don't like to admit though that what you, the stuff you learn at university is actually (laughs) so important. It's really about the connections and the networks you make while you're here. Absolutely, yeah. And like, look, if you feel good, you're going to, you know, do well and you're going to want to study and you know having people around you who are motivated who have the same passion as you like whether that's studying the same degree or not they're here doing something that they want to do and being in that environment and surrounded by it really does make such a difference to the students um, experience and their perspective on actual study because you know it's not really something everyone wants to do is sit down and <laughs> you know do a four hour long chemistry um you know practice paper or something but um if they're with people who are also doing that and suffering along with them then they're going to feel much better about doing that and um yeah being able to have student leaders or sport or whatever it is that they're looking for on campus you know, they can say, okay, well, I've got, you know, touch footy at 5.30, so I'll do my few hours now and then all my friends and I can go. And, you know, like being able to facilitate that with students, I think makes us um, a leader in that student life that a lot of unis are chasing and just can't really make. You can't force that. So we're now just into the beginning of first semester. Yep. <laughs> all right, so we're just weeks over and done with and we're sort of settling back in what's what's a feeling like this semester is it is it business as usual are we actually post pandemic what's what's going on I think there's still some hesitation around you know what how it's going to look for students um I know in the lead up to we kind of get the students applied and then we move on to the next school group but walking around campus it's so so different like the students are grateful to be here I think as well and being able to be on campus especially those second and third year students we have a couple who work for us um, on a casual basis as ambassadors and they're just so excited to be able to go to class and to see their friends again some have been stuck you know across the border in Queensland and Victoria as well and um, I think going forward everyone's really optimistic. (laughs) Mm. I should mention too now that we're sort of going in and students are back on campus again the campus has also been affected by a tornado passing through <laughs> late oh last year so lots of these yeah, the on-campus facilities have been affected does that come up and having to explain this to students and what to expect as they arrive this year yeah so like we take campus tours so we're walking these prospective students through going it's great and then there's you know just construction tape across <laughs> half the campus and we're sitting there explaining oh no it was a tornado and people look at us like we're making up some weird story and I'm going no it's actually a tornado like <laughs> Um, and so it has definitely probably impacted, I guess, on what the students see of the campus, um, being that they're mostly, you know, held down that end near Bulamimba, um, having the different eateries and the different, you know, like the shop, I know the shop's open, but the access to it's not as kind of wide as, um, usual. So I think all that stuff's definitely hindered a lot of the, um, participation up top. Um, and I think without having actually been in the colleges. I think they'd probably raise their eyebrows if I walked in there to hang out with them. But um, in the colleges, it's probably fostering a bit more of that bonding because they can't really, you know, sit up here and eat their lunch. So they're all going to sit down in the courtyard and hang out together for a bit. 
you know, we're recording this in the Tune FM studios, which is a <laughs> study room in the library because the studio's gone. I know. <laughs> I just can't toilet. believe it. So um, I just feel like it's one thing after another at this point. So. Yeah, I'm <laughs> hoping things will start to settle down Let, on campus a little hope. bit. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're again, talking to students about UNE, obviously no one university can serve every person. What are the big sort of areas the UNE focuses on in terms of the, the fields that they can educate people in? Yeah, so I think um, we let the students lead a lot of the time, especially in my role. Um, we have created career matching tools and we do workshops with students to work through their results on that and talk about, you know, what the difference between even a job and a career is, um, you know, just foundation stuff so that they can then go, okay, well, you know, that's where I want to be and work backwards from that to the actual study that they're doing. Um, we have a really wide offering of courses and subjects at UNE, which um, is really great. Definitely means we can hopefully cast our net quite wide and catch a lot of students who might be considering us. But um, probably in the high schools, I mean, it changes every year and some people, you know, see someone on TV who was a paramedic and they go, oh, I could do that, you know, and everyone wants to be a paramedic all of a sudden. But um, consistently we see, you know, students wanting to become teachers, they're wanting to become, um, or they want to go do rural science or agriculture and become not just like farmers or horticulturists or anything like that. They actually want to go into like genetics and breeding and sustainability and environmental uh, work with that field to make sure that they're all, you know, maintaining what Australia has to offer and they're in an area that they love um, and combining areas together is something as well that we're able to offer so things like law and agriculture is a double degree and people at the start when we first were offering it said it's a bit weird like <laughs> two quite different areas but being able to give students that academia side and that knowledge on you know what they can do and where they can go but then also their actual hands-on sciencey side that they're looking for um, is creating a lot of interest um, as well so I think we just offer so much um, that sometimes it is hard for students to decide what they want to do as well um, but yeah consistently it's you know that ag which we're really renowned for but also our other degrees and like I said at the start it's that face-to-face -face connection that they're wanting with their lecturers they don't want to be one of 300 kids in an auditorium they want to be one of 30 so being able to give that to them in nearly every program that we offer um, is helping them make that decision to come here. Yeah, like I said, we've got these big mm. sort of flagship fields of you know, agriculture and education and medicine things. How do you sort of keep on board with what's going on at the university? Because then there's also these little odd little fields that you only really excels in. Like I was talking about poultry science with someone before. And for some <laughs> reason, Armadale is just this hub for chicken research or paleontology is another one. Yeah. that This is the place to be in the southern hemisphere. Is that the kind of thing that you can just you know, grab a student? with that has that one specific interest and go, well, actually, mm. we do this really well. I think it definitely helps having those like reputations, especially in really niche areas where universities might be, you know, really trying to drag students in to keep the program going. Us being able to say we've got the number one rural science degree in the world helps to sell kids because, you know, they're like, well, I could go to, you know, 
a group of eight uni and do it so why would I go there and it's like well that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best degree just means that they're part of that group so um having those titles for our courses um is amazing and being like Australia's oldest regional university we're going to have titles like that um but whether or not it's well known and people often don't want to like talk about that stuff I think we don't want to brag as human beings you know so we're like oh you know it was great but go wherever you want it's like no well we're the best <laughs> come come and do it here if you want the best degree like why would you choose a number two if you can go number one so I think having yeah the opportunity to tell students high school students that definitely sways them again 17 year olds can be quite easily persuaded with you know the shiny lights of those areas and going you know if you do paleontology you're going to be one of you know, 50 students doing it and you have access to all of these researchers and all of these professionals who love that area as much as you do and want to foster that and want to hold you, you know, to the highest standards in that academia world because we all know going into like research and things like that, they're looking for the best. So if we can help get those students who are going to do that and, you know, we we invest in them, then that's going to keep our degrees, you know, being number one in those different areas. And it's interesting talking to you as a person dealing directly with schools and students coming out of high school into university, because UNE is also known for, I guess, doing uh, adult education, really, and getting people who have gone off and had a career and want to retrain. Mm. Do you know... I guess I guess how much of you any students are actually coming straight out of school as opposed to coming back to university later in life? Yeah, so um, we do have a really I think that's why our team is um, quite a bit smaller than other recruitment teams as well. But we have around probably fifteen to twenty percent are school leavers, um, and then the rest are what we class as mature age students um but that could be anyone who's just not a school leaver so 19 years old and above um is that yeah mature age market that post you know school work life where they're looking at retraining um so we do have a really small market to work with in regards to getting um students straight from high school but in saying that um you know about four to five thousand it's probably grown a little bit now so it might be closer to six thousand students are in that school leaver market at UNE um and then yeah anywhere around 19 20,000 would be um in that post school market where retraining tried something after school didn't really work out and have come back you know to do what their backup option was or something that people told them not to do so um yeah it's interesting working in that school leaver market um but again our on-campus students are mostly school leavers so it's not like we're walking them around a campus with you know people and the 17 year olds are looking at them going oh it's just full of geriatrics like (laughs) (laughs) um where you know walking them around a campus that's really young and really vibrant um because you know people who are in the workforce and retraining don't want to be you know in lectures all day or having to be at classes and missing work or you know can't do it because of school drop-off or different commitments there as well so having the flexibility to do it online helps with that market so we're really able to reach a wide variety of students. Given your you know, taking into account your role and dealing with schools and things I mean the industry is really built to 
grab kids just as they're leaving schools. You know, they're mm. given forms in school saying, here's your enrollment <laughs> form, here's how your score in your HSE leads directly into these courses, that kind of thing. But having been through all this yourself and dealing with students on campus, I mean, what do you think? Should students be jumping straight into university? Or should they be coming in with a little bit more life experience? Or are you even allowed to answer that question? (laughs) I don't know. Yes, they all should. (laughs) No. um, Look, it's so dependent on the student. Um, So I am a qualified careers advisor as well. So I'm trained to look at, you know, where do you want to be in five years? Let's work backwards, you know, and go, okay, well, these are your options. And also being in the industry, I know that they don't have to go straight from school. They can come at, I mean, if you tell a 17-year-old they can come at 25, they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, married by then. And, you know, (laughs) I'll be be all professional. Yeah, like, you know, they're they're all thinking that life happens, you know, that quickly. And it does for some, but it doesn't end there, you know. Life doesn't end at 30 like they all think it does. So (laughs) um, we can... We're working to encourage them to do other things if they don't want to come because, like, there's no point in putting someone in a course who simply cannot do it or does not want to do it and they're absolutely miserable and we're just going, no, keep going, come on, you have to do this, you have to do this, you know, you said you're going to do it, so do it. Like, I would rather say have a gap year, try a bunch of things, and then if you think university is for you, there can be an offer there waiting for you. Um, and one of the good things about UNE is that we, uh, for most of our courses, we can give them a two-year deferment. So if they want that gap year, that you know second gap year, um, they have the option to do that. But we also have a lot of programs to get students who might be 22 and you know did a trade or started a trade and didn't finish, and we can give them these programs to build up their skill level to then go into a degree. And with, I think that comes more maturity. So that, you know, the difference between 17, 18 year old is that they think they know everything. And once you're 22 up, you realize that you don't actually know everything and you're happy to, you know, take a little breather and to go back. And what I like doing in my job is just relieving them of that stress, thinking that they have to do it. Because as much as we want students to come and study with us, we want students who are going to be interested and passionate. Um, And like I said, earlier you know if you're with people who want to do it and everyone here is you know paying to be here they're loving it hopefully doing exactly what they want to do studying their passion that will encourage you but only if you're also there if you're not there you know mentally or whatever you're not going to have a good time and I'm of the opinion that if a student is not you know 80% definite that their uni is for them and that they're going to go maybe they should take a little break and just see because being, you know, in 2022 and going forward, education is so easily accessible for students now. It's not like they have to be getting a 95 ATAR and have, you know, a million dollars in the bank to be able to afford to go or anything like that. We take students at every stage of life and engage them and put them, you know, through their degrees with as much support as possible. And if that takes a student you know a few more years to get to then that's okay but um yeah I I don't think in schools we should be forcing them to go um (laughs) like a lot of probably students feel like they are at the moment it's probably similar on the other end of things Mm. too right once you have your degree in say law and agriculture 
you're not restricted in becoming a, a lawyer, right? <laughs> Just having <laughs> exactly. that degree and having that experience can lead you in all sorts of directions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, personally as well I started this job when I was still a student so I had that perspective of what it's like to come from school and to go to university and everything and since I graduated and I've done postgrad study and um, people are like okay so like what are you doing next like can I not just do this for a while you know like can I not just you know enjoy the job that I'm doing and I have friends who've done you know bachelor of laws or bachelor of teaching and but that you know they did a job during their studies that wasn't in that field but they love and they're following that for a little while um and oftentimes in the market you know with jobs and everything people just want someone to have a degree um and so i always say just do what you're passionate about if you want to do a you know five year degree in law and agriculture and then go and work you know in um as a retail manager or whatever that's great go and do that because the skills that you learn in your degree aren't just academic they're also your you know time management and all those soft skills that employees are looking for so um i'm definitely that person who probably a lot of parents don't like as well who I'm like do what you want you want to do a degree in creative writing I did that do it you know like telling them to do their passion because they'll work it out you know it's not the end of the world if they do a fine arts degree and then you know have to go and do something else most of us have to do postgrad now to be competitive so um it's it's a funny little world that I think school leavers are in right now I think that's probably a great note to end on. Ignore your parents. Do what you're passionate about. <laughs> oh, don't know. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> Just do what you're passionate about. Let's yeah, leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> study your passion. That's exactly it. There's no point forcing yourself to do something that you're miserable. All right, Aurora, thanks so much for joining me here on Stories of STEMQ. Thank you so much, James. Thanks for joining me here on the STEMQ podcast. Stay tuned to hear more stories as we work to empower STEM innovation through the STEMQ precinct.